millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you by Levi Solicitors. They will do you 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. No Michael Normanson today. He's gone off again. More time off. Outrageous. Uh, instead, we really like him a lot more than Michael. It's Rob Conlon. Hello there. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Yeah, Rob actually turns up, whereas Michael, I think he's had a tough three days since his last holiday, so it was time to get away again. So this is Propaganda, the show where we find out what has been said about Leeds, both by our fans and by their fans. We'll we'll hear from the Everton fans in just a bit. First of all, let's dive into the feedback that we received from our TSB Plus subscribers and what have they been talking about and what did we get right about the game on the match ball at the weekend? The penalty was obviously a big talking point and I think um, Liam Cooper in the spotlight, um, Ryan Oddy did ask how does Cooper keep getting work well, he's got a contract, hasn't he? Yeah, he's in fairly steady employment. But then there were a few people, Chris did suggest that the uh, the penalty is debatable. Could be my heart talking, he says. But Calvert-Lewin clearly leans into Cooper. And um, then there's quite a lot more until he asks, am I a lunatic? <laughs> and I think it's very difficult to really defend that. Rob, tell us, was it, was it a penalty? It looked like it, didn't it? In the ground, it looked like it. It was just waiting for it to go to VAR. And then when the confirmation came, it wasn't that much of a surprise. I do feel sorry for Cooper because I went to the toilet just after they'd scored and it, everyone was just slugging him off in there. And then back in the ground, everyone was just slugging him off in there. It feels like he's with Helda Costa and Tyler Roberts in never been just a mistake away from being absolutely pilloried, which feels a bit harsh. Uh, I mentioned on the match ball that I, I felt like there were moments when the entire season and our future as a club hung in the balance in that one game where if that had gone against us that game, it would have brought the whole thing crashing down. And I think Cooper was probably a symptom of that by getting caught the wrong side. I thought, well, he's finished now. Bielsa will play him every single week, but he can't keep up with the Premier League anymore. Therefore, we're going to go down. (laughs) It's less about this particular incident. Cooper does have that because of what he did in the championship in his early years. People assume he's, he's never far away from that. And so this is always a reminder of him just booting Cardiff players in the chest for no reason. When it's very rare that you do get a Cooper mistake now, and he has proven himself as good as most other defenders in the Premier League. I think there were a lot of defenders worse. One, obviously, we saw Gary Cahill gave up halfway through last season. Um, on, on his career. Exactly. So Cooper's fine in the Premier League. The fear of this is less about this penalty, this incident. It's that Lukaku is now in this league again. And that's going to be a problem. I don't know when we play Chelsea. I'm not looking forward to that match. It says it sometime around December. Yeah, it's definitely this season, isn't it? Twice. Mm. Um, and oh, those but are only going twice. to be difficult. The, bo- the bonus is that it is only twice. Get them in a cup as well. Uh, the They'll def- wrestle Lukaku in the cup. But that's there is that difference where 
I think Liam Cooper is a very good defender in the Premier League. I think um, we've got four very good defenders in the Premier League, but then I'm watching clubs like Chelsea spending 110 million on Lukaku. If somebody signs Haaland this season or next season, if Harry Kane gets a move to Manchester City and is, you know, he's got actually good players giving him the ball and stuff, suddenly all these teams seem to be concentrating on spending as much money as they can on the best strikes than, as, that they can afford. And I think that's unfair it when is. we still have defenders that we yeah. bought from, brought with us from the Championship, another one from High X Academy, and then we've got um, a couple of internationals, but not. Until we can buy a hundred million pound defender, which I don't even want us to do. Well, but this I, is the thing. Like, I don't think that they should be allowed to have a hundred million pound striker until we've got a hundred million pound defender. Otherwise, it's just not fair. One of those dreadful modern phrases is there are levels to this game, and unfortunately, that's a stark reminder of it. There's no way we can. Well, I don't think we can even be chucking thirty million round on a player. To be perfectly honest, given what we've heard from like Angus Kinnear in recent times, and we know that they've. Uh, gone for a more low-key transfer window this time. Let's just hope it's fine. I think it's going to be fine. Although there were anxieties attached to the defence in general. Jacob, somebody called Not DePaul, uh, Ryan and Lee all um, picked up uh, shortcomings in the defence. Not DePaul, I've had to trim his name down. He he refers to himself as, as Paul, not the midfielder we should have signed. Right. Um, I've, I've got him down to Not DePaul. A lot of this was about our confusion on the match ball about why Luke Ayling wasn't marking Dimari Gray and it's been rightly pointed out by Jacob and also by Ryan H that it he, it wasn't his man. Ah. So that would that would explain it. That and would I did, explain it a lot. When I watched the uh I watched the game the next day. I watched the game the next day <laughs> on a television and I could see then oh, more clearly. You, you and your televisions one in the oh, ground. This is a big telly. Yeah, was it your own at home? It was my own. I, I still imagine you've got a cathode ray tube at home though. I know you sort of like was, an LCD uh, flat panel thing. Um, which World Cup was it that I got an LCD flat panel at last? I think it might have been. Was there a World Cup in two thousand and eight? No, there was Euros. It might have been for the Euros that I finally got rid of. Um, I had a one of those VCR combis that um, Ken Bates used to roll with. I uh, I kept one of those for donkey's years. Anyway, that's not relevant. But now, yeah, I've got all the the screens I need to tell me that. Um, yeah, it was Dallas was should fair, have been tracking. But what, what do you reckon, Rob, to um, Damari Gray? Because I thought he was all right. I kind of I saw that transfer and I thought mm, that's a bit of a weird one this summer, and it was quite low value, wasn't it? It was like a million and a half, um, one point seven or something from Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, he was an annoyingly good. And if we wanted a winger, I'm a bit like, ah, oh, there was one there for one point five million pound that maybe we could have had. He's had a weird career though because he was so hyped up at a young age and then never really did anything. Disappeared to Germany and now he's coming back playing really well at Ellen Road, which is annoying. Uh, there were positives to the game. We'll get was, to those in due course. <laughs> I was just going to say on the defence and the, the marking thing, when I did watch it back, it was noticeable that with our man marking, the, the movement of their forward players, one of the reasons, it wasn't just that Ailing wasn't marking Gray, it was that Ailing was nowhere to be seen when that was happening, when Gray is running around Dallas um, in the build-up to their what led to the penalty. And it's because Ailing is on Richarlison and he's just run off deep to get Ailing out of the way. So he's followed him. Sneaky bastard. And then when he's trying to come back, you can see there's a bit of confusion where people aren't sure if they should be handing a player over or if they're staying with their man or that. And it's Calvert-Lewin, big target man. And then you've got Gray, Richarlison and Iwobi just running around in all sorts of different directions. And it was quite difficult to, to deal with. They should stop doing that because it distracts our defenders from doing their job properly. And I'm not a fan. Rafinha, you're not a fan of anything. I don't think he was picked out. 
the strop you mentioned um, his strop Moscow. He's never happy, is he? Really? I've no. seen, I think I've seen him smile twice so far. And it is strange to be so unhappy about not being allowed to shoot from forty-five yards. It's the kind of thing you'd want a friend to stop you from making that mistake. And that's how I felt. Stuart Dallas was um, approaching him, and you you can only just see the uh, the very end of it on the television footage when Dallas is uh, looking behind him at somebody out of shot, saying, "I'm not going to let you shoot," and also, "Why don't you go?" up front where you should be, but instead Rafinha just said, well, if I'm not allowed to shoot, I'm going to defend. How do you like that? Power and accuracy is what Nathan picked out from Rafinha. Rob, do you like Rafinha? I love him. It was nice to see him in the flesh as well. There were, there were a couple of times he skinned fullbacks, which was nice to see in person. I remember seeing the free kick that Moscow's referencing, and yeah, I did see him stood over it. I thought, yeah, he probably would shoot if we let him here, because that's just what he wants to do. He just kept shooting all game, and he finally got one with a beauty. Been in the ground, I had the same reaction of Michael of being like, oh, is this going to be AR? So I didn't give it the whole celebration, which was a bit disappointing because it was the moment we were all waiting for. See, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, we, we were right in line with it. I think it was because the cross came back in. It was a second cross. And I think because... Calvin stepped back, didn't Yeah, it? because their defence was moving up. It was a bit like, are we going to get caught out? But judging by the reaction of the players, then it was like, oh, I think we're going to be okay. You can thank Tom Cole has spotted how it wasn't offside is because Yerry Mina was spooning Tyler Roberts, as Tom puts it, and when you watch the uh, the replays, Mina already cuddled Bamford in the first half, and yeah, he just puts his arms around him and kind of holds him. But Mina's goal side, so the sensible thing to do if you're trying to get a player offside, you'd hold him like that and do a kind of a a ballroom, a cuddling dance. pirouette. Yes, yeah, you want to shift him around that way or spin him, um, but he doesn't do that. He just holds him, and then the ball goes in, and he just keeps holding him. And after a while, Tyler Roberts says. Tom is speculating that uh, perhaps he says, I, I'm not Pat Bamford. You you don't have to hold on to me this long. But that's one of the ways that our uh, our goal was allowed to stand, kissing and cuddling from the Everton defenders. In terms of the bench, Sazi was asking why Rodrigo was, uh, wasn't brought on. I think we know that he's been carrying an injury, another injury. So that's simply the reason he didn't come on and he's rehabilitating. Again, starting to worry about him now, aren't you? It's just not happening for him, is it? No. It was you, see, what you wonder if it ever will. To see him getting dragged off after forty-five minutes at Old Trafford was a bit of a stark warning. I think it was a shame he wasn't fully fit at the weekend because that was like the change that seemed to make sense. When we'd used two, there was a third one to use, which we didn't end up using. And you know there were options out wide, but you're looking at Rafinha going. Well, he just seems like he's going to desperate to score. Harrison was playing well on the left, so you think, well, don't really want to change out there. Fresh like, legs, stick some fresh legs on. Up yeah, front. yeah, it'd be nice to see Rodrigo. But yeah, it was strange if he, that he was even on the bench, I think, if he wasn't able to play. This is the joy of a threadbare squad, isn't it? Um, <laughs> we had Ding, Jack and, and Ryan and Lee all contributing various bits uh, on Tyler Roberts. A variety of opinions, I think mm. it's fair to say. Like Ding was saying, he understands you wanting to avoid the pylon with Roberts, but your defence of him is going too far. Yeah, this was under a list from Ding. Uh, <laughs> headlined criticisms of Moscow, um, which will we'll come mean, on honestly, to. Ding, if, if you want to send those to me and Michael at thesquareball.net, then... You, you, we've got. We'll just file them away with all the other ones. Yeah, my uh, my annual review <laughs> can bring them all up. But um, but yeah, the, my defensive Tyler Roberts is going too far. He was good when we came on. I yeah, I, 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 I as Michael said when he was when he actually bothered to turn up for work, I thought Tyler Roberts made the difference with Jamie Shackleton. Added some fresh legs, but there were individual moments of frustration there as well when he just let a ball sp- you know spill away from his feet or it'd kill it dead and then the pass just went a little bit short or behind Bamford being the perfect example and but not to pit him 
and Bamford against each other, but they do have a, and one of them has just got a, you know, a five-year lucrative contract. The number of times Bamford's first touch is probably on par with Tyler Roberts' last touch. I feel those are the two frustrations. If you could maybe put them two together, it would be perfect because there was about, there was at least two times we were attacking and Bamford is trying to be, give it like a feather number 10 touch into the path of probably matches click or maybe Rafinha's coming through and he just fucks it up. Like he doesn't kick the ball hard enough and it goes. And then there was a big chance at the, uh, not quite the back post, but he had the left-hand side of the penalty area pretty much all to himself and the ball came to him and his first touch basically kills the chance. He then has a shot from a, a too narrow angle. And I feel like, you know, if he can do that for 90 minutes, Tyler Roberts can come on in 20 and do some good things and do some... I mean, Bamford also, like for all that criticism of that first touch, the assist for Click's goal is brilliant. And, um, and that's what you want from him all the time. It, it's kind of the same of... Tyler Roberts does good things and that's what you want from him all the time. But I feel the, the, there's a, a willingness to focus on the negativity with Tyler Roberts. Whereas if we're not going to be the same about, you know, I'm trying to be positive about Tyler Roberts We've and the good things he does. Um, <laughs> but if nobody's interested in that, I'm just going to bring out all the negatives about all our other players, starting with our best ones. Ryan did uh, did pick this one out. He said he found it very bold of you to celebrate Bamford's new contract by blaming all of Tyro's mistakes on him. Well, it's true. I mean, what I would... And I described them and I watched them again. There's the pass that he plays to Bamford is just behind him and it's not good enough. But then a minute later, Bamford is trying to play Harrison down the left wing and it's miles away from Harrison and it doesn't work. So it's not like Tyler Roberts is alone that he comes onto the pitch and starts fucking everything up. Every footballer at every level makes mistakes. It happens. I think when Roberts came on on Saturday, he played very well. It was a good half hour. It's more like what you want for him. He can get better. Shackleton was good as well. Not, this, mentioned, uh, not mentioned by anybody on the feedback. No, I think there was there was a couple of like passing references, but he's not being spoken about as kind of a, a big positive from the game. But when he's a little bit like Roberts, where you are looking at him this season to be like, come on, good. And I think that is fair about Roberts when people are, you know, come on, you've got the contract, justify it. Shackleton, you're looking for like a 22. You've got to now make some time, progress. Yeah. 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 But there was nothing wrong with either of them on Saturday. And it's probably, you know, we got really good after they both came on. Where does Shaq fit, Rob? I really like him and I really wanted him. I really want to see him play more. I think um, it just seems a shame that he never seems to play in central midfield, which is where he wants to play. And he's always coming on at wing back. Is he only going to play wing back rather than at full back if we play back four? But he always seems to make an impact. He's just so quick. He's so direct. Yeah, I think everyone's talking about uh, signing a new midfielder. Can we just see Shackleton play there for a bit. I think that's the more likely outcome. (laughs) (laughs) But it seems like, you know, Bielsa did it last season with Roberts where he just gave him 12 games and, you know, there were injuries, there were suspensions, but it was his, he challenged him, didn't he? saying, look, you need to prove you're a a first first team player. And it feels like Shackleton needs that because he's too good to go out on loan. I think um, going back to Roberts, I think kind of the problem for him is that what he has to try and do is really difficult. Like those passes he's trying to play to, to put Bamford in on goal they're really difficult passes to make and they didn't quite come off. It may be his decision-making in terms of when to take that risk could be better. That dribble he went down the left wing and ended up winning the corner. When he went on that dribble, I was a bit like, why are you going there? Because it was like three Everton defenders and just him. But he made a good thing of it. But you think, well, maybe he could be a bit more calculated there and people would be a bit more forgiving when he does give the ball away. You like, he, he did a step over though. I like, 
I like Steph Harvey. <laughs> They're dead good. Not much mentioned, yeah, of Shackleton in the feedback form from the TSB Plus subscribers. Uh, and not much mention, actually, of Everton being whiny little bitches. Oh, well, I mean, we do villains in uh, the other That's true. podcast, so just wait. <laughs> there is plenty of... Um, excellent forward selling. Plenty muster. of villains. This is, this is more like the, uh, the, the positive part. Everybody is in a reasonable good mood, apart from, obviously, apart from how they feel about me. Chris R made a good point after last week and after going behind twice. Resilience was good to have not lost that match. When you were saying before, it felt like our season was kind of at stake if something goes wrong. Two matches, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I think I, well, we've actually, got some Arsenal fans to hear from soon. Yeah, and the Everton fans as well, actually. At games turn on moments. We saw that we crumbled when we went behind at Old Trafford, whereas actually they, were, they had chances to put this one to bed at Everton, I think, at 2-1. And you'll hear from the Everton fans who will, you know, spoiler alert, will say essentially the same thing, that they should have put it to bed at that point, but they're quite happy with the point. But um, yeah, that they could have done. We, they didn't know, and we we stepped back up, and it was uh, it was good because we didn't lose. And it was good because we were back yeah. as well. Aiden, don't think we can understate just how great it feels to be back in the ground. Nice to see nothing has changed in the ground. Toilets stink, <laughs> can't get served, but we wouldn't have it any other way. I thought everybody would be able to get served. That was the prediction. There will be touch screens. Robots. I think. Yeah, you just put your order into Skynet and it delivers beer to you. That's that's how it works. Obviously, isn't it? I didn't get to see any of that because I was in the. I was watching my little telly in the. Oh yeah, and on the, there's the telly bell. By the way, if you did miss the uh, the match ball, Moscow uh, has been moved off the gantry. This is the old gantry gong that we mm. used to ring whenever he dropped the G bomb. Not there anymore, are you? You're no, a very back back row of the West back Stand. Row of the uh, the West Stand. But what have you got? You've got a new tie. You've got a new tie, haven't you? Got a little telly. Little to telly. Watch. So this is the little telly bell, I think, for now. Little telly belly. There we go. I do apologise. Somebody did point out um, they've had to move from their seat so that I can be there. But I would say the seat is gone. Different. That's different to what you said off air when you were cackling about it and said, I'm glad that they've lost their seat because I am better. That's what I think those were your exact words. You've not just lost the seat. The seat is gone. There's now a bench. So all those, I have not taken anybody's seat. The seat was, was thrown out. Is it a bench like you used to sit on at school for your photographs? Yes. No. No, it's nothing like that. Rob... You uh, experienced the actual... Did you try and buy a pint? Did you buy a pint? Did yes. you drink and eat? Was it great? I got a pint beforehand. It was very exciting to go through the turn, turnstiles and the first thing you saw was this new gadget on the wall to pre-order your pint. And then Talk, talk us through it because I've got no idea of this. It's just like being in McDonald's, basically. Right. Uh, you touch screen, order me John Smith's, go to the collection point and there's a, like a three separate queues of disgruntled men moaning that all the pumps have already stopped working at quarter past two. So Did it, you get your pint of John Smith's? Yes, uh, just about. It didn't. It tasted like a beer in Ellen Road tastes. Which which is just, if you could describe it in three words or fewer. Flat, lukewarm. Uh, Piss? I wouldn't go that, I mean I drank it so I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. it, it did the job, I guess. Some Some nasty boys at school once tricked me into drinking piss out of a can of coke. They offered me a drink and it wasn't coke, it was piss. I just thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> Would you like? Cheers. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm distracting from your, your pint tale, but you, you drank it and how was it? If you could score it out of 10? Uh, probably a six. I'd already had a few, so that helps. That eases things as well. <laughs> Um, I wasn't brave enough to try pre-ordering one for half-time because that sounded like carnage. Yeah. From what I can gather from the reports, the way it seems to be working is, is that you tap into the machine what you want and you pay. And then you go over, you queue 
or when you get to the front of the queue, you tell somebody what it is you want <laughs> yeah. and then they pour it for you. So there's actually not really a great saving because you still have to go somewhere and tell somebody that I would like this. I would like a pint of John Smith's, please, even though you've already told a machine and given it money. And you have to wait while they pour it when you could be paying anyway. So... Uh, yeah, great system. Good. It's good to be oh, in the Premier League. Just a few, a few wrinkles. I'm sure they can iron it out. Mind you, I don't know if you saw the you see the footage that's been doing the rounds on Twitter of the uh, behind the scenes thing at, at Spurs. I think it was at the Spurs Stadium, where it looks amazing, but also equally fucking dreadful. Yeah, I don't want that. No, I, but we're gonna have it. I, I looks it looks like a posh Dubai nightclub. I wrote last season midway through lockdown about missing kind of Ellen Road for all its crap parts for want of a better word uh, and yeah missing that feeling of frustration and angst and excitement because it is all part of it and yeah I want the toilets to be crap I want yeah I want it to take ages to get a pint that, that's all part of the Ellen Road experience uh, they need to when they build the new thing the new Ellen Road Megaplex Megadome just put a bit of asbestos in there just for old time's sake so we can remember what it was like it's with the threat of the roof collapsing yeah yeah the spot of lead paint never did anybody any harm uh, Baps McGinty, fantastic name. Enjoyed the rocking atmosphere and the frigging noise when we scored. It was lovely, wasn't it? It was proper. It was real. It was visceral. And Lee was uh, happy with the penalty heroes, the guy trying to put Calvert-Lewin off with his belly and also the woman giving him the finger for when he was celebrating. Ding, um, unfortunately. <laughs> Going uh, down the list. Yeah, this was top of his list of criticisms of me. I'm a, I'm a flag hypocrite, unfortunately. There's a, a, a huge contradiction slash hypocrisy um, about enjoying the needle and confrontation, but then saying it's not cool to be criticising the shitty flags. If you enjoy the aggro, then you should want to burn the flags. I've got mixed feelings about the flags. I I know what he's getting at. Yeah. And it's right that he should attack you for it. (laughs) (laughs) But the the flags are a bit new fan, nicey-nicey, but it was an occasion that did demand a, a, a spectacle. There's a difference between having a flag and waving a flag and making it look cool and putting it down and getting on with the game. And having clappers, you know, those awful mm. clappers that they've had like Huddersfield and Leicester and stuff. That's a different kettle of fish, but uh, I don't know. I might have said on the match ball that it's not cool to be criticising the shitty flags. That's not necessarily, I, th- I think that's because I was, I got to the point of saying when you look at the spectacle it creates, it seems pretty hard to hate it. It's like looking at a flower and finding it disgusting. Horrible, I mean, horrible, yeah, beautiful and, thing. And in the past, we've all got our scarves out and held them over our heads and pulled yeah. them tight. And that creates a visual spectacle. It's the know. fakeness of it. And I and I get that. But I also, sometimes I feel like you can like both. And that's the thing, because there was a perfect response on um, Twitter that I saw to Rob's article about being back in Elland Road and um, some of Lee Brown's great photos of the flags and things. A guy who said, I thought the flags were completely timpot, but I was still waving it around like an idiot before the match started. And I think that's the that's the that's that's where they kind of work some people will be full on flag wanker. It's the best thing they've ever seen. Can't wait to get in there and wave them about. A lot of those people will be children, so it's a bit harsh to call them wankers. Um, but some adults will also enjoy it as well. And it's hard, you know, if people like waving a flag, that's fine. Other people will be pissed. And if you put a flag in front of them, they're going to wave it anyway. Other people will hate it, as Ding says, and, and been trying to resist the urge to burn them. But that's the point about a football stadium. There were 36,000 people there on Saturday. That's twice the population of the towns I grew up in. And if you think about a town, there's always there's like there's an area that's got some posh houses, some not some posh houses. There's a bit by the industrial estate. There's there's different schools. The, ma- the mad bastard who roams around in tracksuit bottoms. They all have different atmospheres and different people and they all want different things. And if you you know, if everybody 
in that town all went to the same pub, it would be carnage because they would nobody wants the same stuff when you've got that many different people. And a football sta- stadium is where you can accommodate it. Some people can wave the flag that they're given and then the person next to them can hate it. But because you both support Leeds, you kind of have this uneasy or easy truce while it goes on. And I think the net result, it made as many people happy as it made. Well, there's only Ding really seems to be so upset about it. He wants to take it to the, the extent of fire. But I think that maybe that might have been amplified by listening to me talk about it. I'm not sure whether the true anger is whether um, I'm the target or Nylon is the target. But, you know. Both yeah. of you are flammable, so. We, we can do all of these things. There can be, uh, just because some people in the stadium are waving flags doesn't mean there cannot also be aggro. And I think that's really come through from the the weekend's response to Elland Road. Every report, every fan site's talking about the hostile, vicious atmosphere that really came through at Elland Road. And it was not affected by the fact that some people were waving flags before the match started. There's, there's not a, there has not been a ban on aggro just because there were some flags as well. So be as aggressive as you want, Ding. Just maybe not, not with me, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a gentle, loving soul who just wants to look at flags and flowers. And you know what else I think? Let's get a drum. I don't think we should get a drum. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here in the second half of Propaganda, we find out what the opposition fans had to say about Leeds United. And let's be fair, on this show, we often dig out Scousers for their swivel-eyed lunacy. But I think based on the evidence we've accumulated of Everton in the Premier League, it's just Liverpool, isn't it? The mad ones are attached to Liverpool because these Everton fans, they're all really balanced and fair and are sort of generally talking about Everton more than going, ah, oh, Leeds are houses. what they're talking about. They're all fairly sensible lads. Quite annoying, isn't it? Yeah, I, d- I didn't want to like any opposition fans, but they all seem like decent lads. The general consensus being they had chances to win it and probably should have done, but ultimately were were happy with the point, which is what I mentioned in the in the first half of the show. So we'll dive into into Toffee TV 
first of all. And this is their equivalent of the match ball sort of post-match reaction. And they thought they should have won. But I think by the end of this clip, he's, he's almost starting to talk himself out of it a little bit. It's a good game. It was a really, it was a good game. The referee let it flow for the most part. There's a lot of good old physical challenges on both sides. It's an enjoyable game. And it's just daft goals that we've conceded. And I'm sitting here disappointed that we didn't win it. That's good in a way. You know, I think if anyone was going to win it, it, you know, we had the chances. They only had a couple of chances, really. They had a few that went wide and stuff. But really, Pickford hasn't had to make too many saves. We're their goalkeeper. I think we had eight attempts. You know, we've had a lot of blocks. I get I get that. And listen, there'll be Leeds fans sitting there going, we should have won that. They had the possession. We had 29% possession. You know, that's, that's just daft, isn't it? The accent is still quite harsh when you're not really prepared for it, isn't it? It really does. Um, but at least there's nothing about being a special club. Although, when you were giving the intro about how reasonable these people are, I did start thinking about the people who were painting death threats on um, bed sheets and putting them up, up outside what turned out not to be Rafa Benitez's <laughs> house. That didn't seem particularly like normal behaviour. But yeah, his opinions seemed sound. There's a moment in one of these clips, I can't remember which one it is, but it ends on the word bat and you get a lot of scouts in it. Bah! But we'll, uh, we will get to that. Well, they thought that the game did turn on Dominic Calvert-Lewin's miss and other stuff that flowed from it. That little moment with the goalkeeper, you're just hitting it straight at the goalkeeper. You've got to dink the goalkeeper. You've got to. That's what top finishers do. You know, I love down to bits, but it's it's a clearly, it's a flaw in his, in his makeup that he has to become more clinical in front of goal. Listen, he's a great centre forward and all these people who say what he isn't, I, I think he's a great, I, I love him to bits, but he's got to be chipping the goalkeeper there to make it 3-1 and he doesn't and Leeds make a couple of subs so they freshen it up and that to me, that's where I looked at it. I think we needed a sub five minutes before they scored their, their second goal. I think that's when we needed a sub because when we made our subs, we got complete control of that game. But they got their goal itself, you know, ball into the box, you shouldn't be able to take a ball down in the box like that. You just shouldn't. It shouldn't be happening. But we allow him to take the ball down in the box. He lays it back. And let's, let's be honest, it's a crack and finish by the lad. Rafinha's wrapped his foot right round it. And there's nothing Jordan Pickford can do about that. But it's those little mistakes. It's the little mistakes that were, that are costing us at the back. There it is. At the back. I noticed that even when they were singing Damari Gray's name, you could get the, the Scouse twang from the, the away end, which was quite impressive. It is quite strong. I've ended up, I'm distracted. Maybe I'm not very interested in what Everton fans have to say. I'm looking at a list of their celebrity fans because obviously with Liverpool being so dominant in the city, as you wonder who's left, and it's kind of, um, it says a lot that one person on the list is Pete Best, the uh, the fifth Beatle, the drummer <laughs> that they sacked before uh, they got famous so they could get Ringo Starr. Where um, Dan might know more about this, where in the hierarchy of Girls Aloud does Nicola Roberts stand? She near the top. She was always the really good singer, I think it was Nicholas, okay. and she? she's the redhead. So she's a pretty good one. They've got Sonia, another redhead, and Claire Sweeney off of Brookside. Also, Hayley Williams from Paramore, which is a, a surprising one. I don't know if that advances our understanding of the game at all. Have they not got Rocky as well? And still, Sylvester Stallone in Yeah, Sylvester Stallone is right up the top. They have a section of people who they think deserve pictures on this website, like Dame Judi Dench, Sylvester Stallone photographed with an Everton scarf. And Sir Paul McCartney, so I suppose he balances out Pete Best a bit. But um, Sometimes Snoop Dogg must have worn their shirt. I mean, he's worn everybody's <laughs> shirt, hasn't he? I mean, he? everyone's had a go with Snoop, but uh, he's, he's probably on the list somewhere. Right, let's um, move on to Blue Room. Sorry for completely dismissing that Everton fan's opinion, but it all sounded fine. Yeah, Calvert-Lewin shit, I agree. 
Uh, they have this to say about the penalty on Blue Room. I can't believe the amount of fuss there was over what oh. I think was one of the most blatant penalties you could you could ever wish to see. Is, is there not a case to say it was a red card as well? But I saw Mike put that on Twitter, didn't he? And I think it was um, Neil Abraham, obviously, I think we all follow on Twitter mm-hmm. as well, saying about the rules say if it's you know, denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity where the defender's not going to play the ball, then it should be a red card. And, you know, yeah. he's, he's clearly not trying to play the ball there, is he? You know, he's got two hands on Dom and just dragged their back because he's ahead of him. So, essentially got a bit of a red card, yeah. But I just couldn't believe all the faffing over it. And, like, I was staggered he didn't give it on the field, like, initially, as, as the, the first decision. Yeah. And then all the cry from the Leeds players and, you know, all the fans and stuff. So, I mean, there's some there's some great photos, isn't there, from, from that that have been doing the rounds of Dom, you know, showing his name off and all their fans losing the plot. Red card? No, definitely not, because I don't want it to be. Cryarsin <laughs> um, from Leeds seems a bit rich as well when they've got Richarlison running around. Mm, yeah, it definitely wasn't a red card. And isn't there, does double jeopardy still, double jeopardy, double jeopardy still apply? That thing of if you're given away a penalty, you don't also get the red, the red card, card because yeah. it's um, too much as... as I'm just looking at it here. It used to be a triple punishment, sent off, concede a penalty and a suspension, all just for tugging somebody's shirt would be a very... And was it a goal-scoring chance? Didn't the ball sail over the, both of their heads anyway? I don't think he actually stopped him from scoring a clear goal. It mm. was just they got into a grappling match and Cooper, as Michael eloquently puts it, did a Cooperish thing and dragged the other player down. It wasn't like a player running through on goal. That's where a red card comes in or used to come in is when the player is running through on goal and you hack them down before they can put it into an empty net. It's a very different... I was actually fairly surprised he got a yellow card for it because I felt like for the the level of severity of just tugging somebody's shirt... The, well, well, shirt pulling is a yellow, though, isn't it? It's a mandatory yellow these days. So Don't expect me to know the rules. <laughs> I'm surp- I mean, they if they can think it should have been a red card, I can think it shouldn't have been a yellow card and you can't tell me... I'm wrong. You I can't can tell, tell me nothing. Fine, sister. Fine. Although, again, annoyingly reasonable. They were quite impressed with the crowd. And you look at how vociferous that crowd was at times. Ellen Road. It was a pretty daunting fixture for us. I think being the first side that goes to Ellen Road with fans in the last eighteen months, haven't played a Premier League game in front of a crowd yet, uh, with the exception of Man-, Man United last week for the opening game. I think with all of that bundled into one you do think that's a decent point because I thought I, I, I was impressed with a lot of the lads that they didn't fold in such a, a cauldron because that I, I imagine obviously I don't think anything that we saw uh, on our screens won't have done the, the crowd and the atmosphere anywhere near anywhere justice for how, how big it would have been for a lot of these lads to overcome a cauldron Rob a cauldron it's nice though isn't it I, I can't tell whether that's a compliment for us or kind of a reflection on how sanitised the rest of the Premier League is. Probably but, both. Yeah, because it seems that a lot of people commented on the crowd and yeah, it's, it's nice for people to be reminded of what Ellen Road is actually like. I mean, and we've heard Ellen Road louder than that because the game kind of ebbed and flowed. We never, if we'd have got in front in that game, I think it would have been even louder. It'd have been cranked up even more so and there was the emotion of the day as well and just the novelty aspect of being back in that probably dis- distracted a little bit. Everybody had flags in the gobs, didn't they? So they couldn't sing. That was the problem. The flags held it back. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good day, wasn't it? And I think it will get better and it will get louder and I dare say we will upset some people more than we possibly upset Everton. It is interesting to uh, to think that opposition fans are seeing that something their players have to get over going to Elland Road. It's a little bit like the um, 
the fitness thing where all the time since Bielsa's turned up, we've been hearing from other teams saying, oh, well, we're just not as fit as them. We can't stay with them. And you think, well, why don't you just get fitter? And then you might be able to. It's the same thing as, oh, well, you know, the crowd at Elland Road, that's going to be an advantage for them. Well, why don't you do something about your crowd? Get a singing section and uh, and a drum and wave some flags about and all the things to generate the atmosphere. Clappers, if you need them. I think they helped Norwich stay in the division, didn't they? And mm-hmm. Huddersfield, obviously, they also stayed up because they had the, the clappers and a drum. I've taught myself out of it. The, the, these other clubs are beyond help. Although um, Everton, be interesting what they're like when they leave Goodison and go to their new box. My, my fear about the new Ellen Road is that. was Yeah, well, we're not. I don't think um, Beeston is going to lose its status as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, I just meant the different, like, daft things at Ellen Road, they're like extra leg room. So you're a little bit further away from the people around you and it's a bit more of a comfortable experience. And whether you start to find that, you know, you, you kind of relax into your chair. But I think being hemmed in with no leg room, all the things that make Ellen Road uncomfortable and unpleasant, but it makes it what it is. I don't know. Is there anything in it you think about? sort of rough and ready appearance I think so because I hate Wembley because it's really nice it just feels wrong it's really comfy seats loads of leg room great view wherever you are and it just feels like oh this is a bit it's more like going to the theatre or something I don't know it's weird it's interesting though that Goodison Park is not a new stadium but the Everton fans clearly think that Elland Road has got some kind of edge that Goodison Park does not so whether it's the people and certainly we seem to be dealing with the more rational side of, of Liverpool here as represented by Sonia and Nicola Roberts or whether it's the Premier League that being in the Premier League I mean Everton have never when were they even last out have they ever been out of Division 1 they've been there for far too long overdue relegation um, but mind you, you you were on about this like when we were talking was it last week when we were on about getting comfortable in the Premier League Everton as a club they are the archetypal comfortable Premier League side they're not going to trouble the top four they're not going to go down they're just kind of there aren't they mm-hmm. so is it any wonder that it's all just become a bit same old, same old? So I was so bemused by the reaction to Rafa Benitez. It's like, why do you even, why are you bother? Why do you care that much about who is going to get you to 10th? It's not that big a deal. And they've still got Duncan Ferguson. That was one thing that I kept um, thinking about with the uh, the midst of the atmosphere and the, the aggro on Saturday was Duncan Ferguson's presence as to whether he was going to be part of it. But even he, is, uh, he gonna, is he going to finally sign for us? <laughs> Get him a, as, a throwback uh, joke there for you, for you 90s Leeds fans. Get him in as Bielsa's assistant. <laughs> Let's move on to Unholy Trinity because we've got a few of these to get through. This is an Everton podcast featuring three of them, so not dissimilar to what we do. They did also pick out some of the interesting characters in the crowd. I was saying to the lads early on, you know, it's important that we try and keep, keep them quiet as quickly as possible. Um, and we managed to do, obviously, with the, the penalties from from Calvert Lewin. It was fantastically put away, by the way. I thought it was it was it was really well finished and, and I'm delighted to see Calvert Lewin on penalties as well. You saw David, you probably saw yourself when when Don was gonna take his penalty, there was a fella showing his belly off and rubbing his belly behind the goal. And when when Dom scored and he was showing his showing his name and number, um Sandy Tosfig rocked up from the Great British Bake Off to to give him the middle finger. I enjoyed Sandy Tosfig. One of the great photos that emerged over the weekend. I don't think there was any shortage of uh, fingers and gestures. One of the other things that was caught, and I think it's the same guy who was uh, flashing his belly at uh, Calvert-Lewin, was furious with the steward who was standing in front of uh, him and his mate before the, the penalty was about to be taken. You can see there's a big yelling match going on about getting him to either sit down or get out of the way. I don't know whether it was so he could have a good view of the penalty or it was 
Dominic Calvert-Lewin needs to see my stomach. But um, yeah, they weren't happy about the uh, the placement of the um, match day assistance. They've got Huddersfield in the Carabao Cup this midweek. So they had on one of the uh, the Huddersfield fans for a chat, which added a slightly different dynamic to the show. And there's a couple of little gems in here because they ask him to comment on Ellen Road. And <laughs> he tries really hard to give a considered answer to the question. But uh, his I think it's his underlying hatred for Leeds United. Just, it just starts to bubble under the surface. As a Huddersfield fan, obviously there's a little bit of rivalry there. What, what, what are your thoughts on on Leeds being the Premier League now, and you know, is is it are they a really, really passionate fan base? What historically, how have you found it goes well on road? Uh, well, to tell you the truth, I've never been to Ellen Road, and I've not as a, much- as a club. Sorry, as a club. Sorry. Well, I think I understand what you're saying about philosophically. Is it is it a good point or is two points dropped? I think it's all relative, and you have to take into account what Everton's other results going to be like. Going away and getting a point at Leeds is a great point if you've got a good chance of then taking Leeds to Goodison Park and beating them. But Everton at home last season were just unconvincing at home, weren't they? You know, it wasn't that sort of fortress that you would hope Goodison Park would be. So if if you're not getting the home wins at home that you would hope Everton would do, then really going away to a team like Leeds that do throw everything at you, you know, there's an argument to be said that actually if Everton are going to progress and you know, get into that top six and eventually top four, hopefully. Going away to a club like Leeds is somewhere you want to be going and trying, trying to win. Not coming away thinking, oh, that's a good point. You know, that go, on, go and beat them. He's trying to be sensible, but them, them, a club like Leeds, they don't like us, do they? Go and beat them, please. Please yeah. beat them. I've never been, but I hate going there. Awful place. It's all too sensible and considered, quite frankly, from the Everton part of propaganda. It's getting to the stage now with this show, though, where we get requests. So why not? I don't want to deny you if you want to hear from Arsenal fans TV when they are in a dreadful state of affairs, then let's get it on. Let's They're very it. hard to find, Arsenal fans TV, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. They don't have much profile. <laughs> to be fair, you can't always rely on them for a meltdown these days, which is nice. I think it's, it's a reminder that we're relatively sane and we're doing just fine. So this clip is Yardman, who's one of the, uh, the guys from Arsenal fan TV. You know, Robbie's the, the main guy who sort of leads the uh, leads the show and, and Robbie is interviewing Yardman just outside the Emirates and I don't think Yardman is that fond of Arteta what do you reckon? Uh, they uh, they didn't win did they? No No okay. for, for the second time as you're about to hear Problem is that he's taking the piss out of us some of us anyway not not all of us some of us he ain't taking the piss out of me he's going to come on a press conference oh there's a lot of fans can see the progress where is it? Be fair anybody you know the problem is yeah, the 19 Premier League team, the manager, when they see Arsenal, they take three points. Honestly, you know that I'm not even make, cracking a joke. It's reality, reality. I went to to to, to Brentford. I pay 150 pounds. You see me? I didn't have a ticket. I do this every day. I love my club. I turn up away without a ticket. I pay 150 pounds to get in for what? To what? For what? You're going to sit here and tell me, oh, he don't got this, he don't got that. You've got to take no, that into yeah, consideration. You to understand, this is our first game back. Mikel Arteta, look on the top of the board, yeah? Spending. Arsenal is at the top. So that motherfucker spending the money stupidly. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point. I mean, I wouldn't have spent my money stupidly by paying £150 for Brentford either. No, and I mean, I know it's hard getting across London. How can you spend £150 <laughs> going from one part of London to Brentford? I mean, he's right that 
I'm looking at Arsenal and seeing three points. The sooner we can play them, the better. When do we play them uh, this season? Twice, isn't it? twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they are hilarious. It's. Uh, I was annoyed that they beat us last season so comprehensively, or, or had that spell where they twatted us comprehensively for four goals. It's, yeah, we didn't deserve it. No, we'll get better against them uh, this season, but I don't know how how bad they're going to get. He w- was relatively calm compared to the other person that you've uh, you've picked out, though, which. What frightens me about this, I mean, it's a, something about Yardman was actually quite considered there, where he's like, look, I'm spending a lot of money to go to Brentford, and the club is spending a lot of money on rubbish, and Arteta is taking the piss if he thinks we've got a good team. When you listen to this next fella, imagine, like, replace Arteta's name with Bielsa's and see how it feels. Yeah, I mean, this as well, we should say before we get into it, it's a relatively long clip, but it's worth hearing. I think it's very performative, this, and this is the problem with doing video on YouTube, and I'm fully aware that, you know, we've got a YouTube channel right now. Uh, however, I don't ever want us to to start performing in this same way. But all that said, it does very accurately explain exactly where Arsenal are at the moment. And if this was a piece of art, it would be called Young Man Shouts at His Phone. Right, Jeff! Not jumping at all! I said, get out! Get out! This club is finished! Finished! How long have I been saying for you to leave? You don't know what you're doing. You're a lost soul, mate. Two games. Conceded four. Zero points. And who have we got next? Man City. Honestly, I'm sick of it. The performances are terrible. How much have we spent this window? 129 million on a beating. Honestly, the old arsehole used to shop in Arrods. And now I feel like we're shopping in Shoe Zone. I'm sick of it. We spent the most in the Premier League to be bullied. Someone said an anti-bullying campaign for Pablo Mari, because honestly, it got absolutely violated by Lukaku. The tactics are wrong. We got as much identity as John Cena. Exactly. You can't see me, because there is none. I've had enough. There's so much dead wood in this club. I could start a bonfire. We got players that want to leave. A guy captain in the side who wanted to leave about three weeks ago. It's a disgrace. We're 19th. 19th in the Premier League, I don't care if it's after two games, honestly. We're in shambles. Arteta's about as much good as a chocolate fireplace when it comes to management. Honestly, do me one favour, Arsenal. Sack Arteta, get Antonio Conte, because I'm sick of it. That Chelsea bench could have walked straight into that first Arsenal team. I've had enough. Arteta, right? Cranky, at The club's a shambles. The good news is that history teaches us that when Arsenal changed their manager, all the fans calm down <laughs> and they become very happy about. So when he says, all you know, Arteta out and Antonio Conte in, I'm sure that if that happens, then the, his first game and you, you go to his channel or AFTV, it'll probably be like watching Bob Ross paint. Just everybody will be calm and happy and it will all have changed. Just put a little tree here. Little yeah. tree. We'll put Ben White in defence and we'll put Zaka on a bonfire. <laughs> so it has got to the point with Arsenal where I don't know how any of them are ever going to be happy ever again. And I also don't know how anybody would go to that football club. Like I talked about replacing Arteta's name in that with Bielsa. And I think you can get my point there. But I also, I, I feel now, like imagine you're Ben White. He's only played one game. He missed that one because he's um, tested positive for COVID. Imagine him you know, being aware of all of this, people talk about, you know, the way Leeds fans can be online. 
this is another level. Poor little Ben texting Calvin, just going, I don't know what I'm, what what I'm doing. They keep shouting at me. I didn't even play. It's somebody screaming at me in the in the street through a phone because I'm sure they probably did have to film it if they saw Ben White. And it may be the good part of all this is if you don't want that to be part of your life, if you're Calvin Phillips and you're looking at what a terrible time Ben White is having at, at Arsenal, then when that £150 million bid comes in from Arsenal or Liverpool and you just look at their horrible screaming fans, you think, stay at Leeds. Just the entitlement is wonderful. Um, and I, lo- I look forward to them. If they were to go down... I mean, relegation would be uh, magnificent, isn't that'd it? That'd be the best thing possible, though, for them, you know I'm just so grateful they're, for this last 16 years, to be honest. They'd enjoy the it, wouldn't they? They'd, yeah. probably, they'd go down, come back up and enjoy it. Get a bit of perspective and everything's fine, isn't it? Whenever I hear Arsenal fans, I just think, am I that into football, really? Like, it, I just, it's different levels, isn't it? Imagine like, him going downstairs after recording that and his mum's got his tea ready. It must be <laughs> a certain awkward conversation and you've been shouting at your phone again. Are you, are, are you all right? And it's like, yeah, I'm fine. It's just doing it for the internet it's not a problem <laughs> right well doing it for the internet Steve Nickel, a firm favourite on this show last year when we introduced him to you if you're not familiar with who Steve Nickel is he's the former Liverpool defender from like the 80s and whatever he does ESPN in America's Premier League coverage and last season he, I think it's fair to say he served up some real gems because he's, he's very morose on the one hand almost sounds like he hates every moment of being alive completely unimpressed by like the it was the Man City home game yeah. which was just so swashbuckling and, and exciting no it, control yeah, there was no control Leeds had no control hated it but he's a complete contradiction of a man because he's every, out of control yeah every now and then <laughs> he'll start to behave like a giddy teenager but this weekend he slid into like primary school uh, level stuff so I will spoil the surprise and explain what happens because you'll probably enjoy the clip more but essentially he he farts when they're live on air. And it's just a bit, he was on Zoom last season. He's in the studio now yeah. with, uh, who's he with? It's, um, I think it's Kay is the, is the host. She's, uh, she, the, she, the, she is the anchor, rather. Uh, yeah, and there's another ex-footballer with them as well. I can't remember who they are. It, it doesn't matter. They could be anybody. Could be absolutely anybody. Cause he, doesn't, he doesn't mind who his victims are. He doesn't give a shit. So he drops a guff when they're live on air, and he's not embarrassed by it in the slightest. He just owns it. And then he's almost going, oh, whatever. It's just completely styles it out. So what they're doing is they're doing a bit here. They're talking about the summer's transfer sagas just before they go across to a to a reporter. So this is the bit that you're listening out for. What I've done is here, I've isolated the sound of the fart because it's, ve- it's barely perceptible on the recording. But it's a hum followed by a pop. And I've turned the volume up on this just so you know what you're listening to. This is it. Okay. It's uh, Kay Murray is the host. And uh, Alejandro Moreno is trying to talk about... Um, some transfers there we go so I'll, gi- I'll give you the little fart noise so just ignore the drum beats either side of it it's just a little whistle and pop in the middle so it's like a boom right and it happens about four or five seconds into this clip when they're talking there's a, there's a short pause just a natural pause in the conversation and you, and you say you can barely hear it but you definitely know when it's happened because Steve Nichol does not give a shit Kane ones whereas Mbappe we're gonna keep talking about it up until last year so <laughs> <laughs> you, you okay, okay? Sounds like you had something to 
I'm not going to say because somebody would say whatever I said stunk so I'm not going to do that so I'm not going to do that you said plenty already alright so Jules which transfer saga has annoyed you more this summer Kane or Mbappe and there's poor Jules sat in a room somewhere else not knowing what the hell to do off the back of that you're right to describe him as a contradiction because I now understand that's the attitude of a man who sets fire to Gary Ablett's wife's hair, yeah. as has been discussed previously on this podcast. Which, and which he did. I now understand how that can happen because none of it's his problem. You know, it, I, he described her, didn't he, of her going, lighting her, or just getting a lighter, being really tempted by, because it's the, the mid-80s and she had all the spray in her hair, just flicking the lighter and going whoosh. And then I'm imagining him sitting back and somebody saying, well, what's going on? Why is her hair on fire? I'm saying, well, I'm not a firefighter. What's it got to do with me? He's like, well, you set her hair on. That'll do with me. It's exactly the same attitude here. It just sits there. It's like, well, yeah, I just did that. Farting you, on live TV. It's, it's the most natural thing a man can do. You just have to, everybody else just has to uh, deal with it. And it's it's like th- this pattern of behavior is so strange. The setting wife's hair on fire, farting on ESPN. It's all it feels like he wants to live life on the edge. It's all very risky, the things that he's doing. But then when he watches Leeds United play, oh, there's no control. They're taking too many risks. Is it like he is the only person who can who can take these risks? If he was playing that way, then it would be fine. That He'd be pushing it even further. He'd be setting his boots on fire or something <laughs> as he takes to the pitch just to add to a, a little bit of danger. Or, or what is he alive for? What's he, lives, what's he lives, getting he out for, of this? Lives for kicks. But he doesn't like watching other people get their kicks. Because he's jealous. It's, he wants to Steve Danger Nickel. That's what it's all about for him. He's a danger to the people around him if this is the way he's carrying on. It's one thing. He's just not really, uh, he's not got out of Zoom mode, has he? Still thinks he's singing at home, just talking to a camera and nobody can hear just, anything uh, just, that's going on. Uh, just squeeze it's, one out. His it's window a wonder, pops up. <laughs> it's a wonder he turned up to the studio with trousers on. He might not have done. He was under a desk. He was sat around a desk. So let's not take anything for granted. And we'll return with more propaganda after the Burnley game. Do you remember the guy, the Burnley guy that we looked at last season? He was the one with the teardrop tattoos just under his eye. Michael's good friend. Yeah, a terrifying looking man. So uh, we'll return with his thoughts after we beat Burnley at the weekend and check out the feed for the main show. And do have a look at this on YouTube as well. We've got the new YouTube channel now where you will find the podcast. Um, so you can watch propaganda as well as... Uh, as well as listen to it. Sorry, Moscow's distracting me by making love to the camera again, which sadly is becoming a feature of this. I think we should get ding onto you again. Right, we'll catch you next time. The Square Ball Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.